Hello, and welcome to MatchCast. This is the inaugural podcast for MatchNode Digital Marketing. I'm Brian Davidson. I am Chris Madden. Welcome, guys. Well, hopefully we're getting uh, a whole huge audience listening to us for our inaugural podcast, and this is going viral. Hopefully we're going to give you guys some great content today, and you're really going to like it, and you're going to pass it on to your friends. Uh, our inaugural topic is going to be lifetime value, but just a little bit about us before we get going. So you know what we're talking about is legit. Match known as a digital marketing agency. We've been in business for just over two years now, but Chris and I have a wealth of experience and a lifetime of experience in both the marketing world, sales world, and more importantly, the digital marketing world. Yeah, so we'll get into a little bit more about us and about the pod in a little while, but let's start by getting right into the meat of the topic today, which is lifetime value. Lifetime value is uh, kind of part of this magical formula, this mythical formula that um, in our work for years, is just the idea that if the lifetime value of your customer is greater than the cost that it takes to acquire that customer, then you are cooking with gas. You're in business. You're making money, profit, unit economics on a person-by-person or sale-by-sale basis. The value that you're getting is greater than it's costing you to acquire that person. Exactly. So if you're selling a widget, you don't need to worry about your marketing cost falling within the profit margin of that initial widget. If someone buys 35 widgets, you can spread out that marketing cost over the lifetime of their purchase behavior for your product. Yeah, so I mean, it's a bit of a kind of magical formula because it is something that early in my career I heard discussed much more almost in a hypothetical or theoretical way. It's an easy idea to get your mind around, but then to actually be in a business situation where you're able to apply it and measure it and kind of find that actual LTV greater than acquisition cost moment is hard to get to and, and actually a little more rare. Brian, I believe in some of your past work experiences, you've, you've seen that situation where you're able to find that kind of inflection point. And then once you see it, you can kind of put your foot on the gas. I mean, it's funny how many potential clients of ours sometimes will say like, well, if the marketing, you know, if, if it's profitable, I'll spend tons of money, you know, and, and everybody I think is kind of like, of course, if you're making money on every single dollar you spend in marketing, who wouldn't keep doing that? The reality is it's a little harder to get there than sometimes people make it sound. So my first job in digital marketing was working at a company that helped kids find sports scholarships. So we were basically like a match.com for high school athletes trying to find the right college program for them. And I worked on our digital marketing team there. And like Chris said, we hit an inflection point when we realized exactly what our unit economics were to acquire a lead and close a lead. And the metric we actually used was percent of cost sale. We knew certain leads wouldn't close as well as others because they were gathered from sources on the internet that weren't as high quality. Traditionally, the way we generated leads is we'd send a high-profile athlete into a high school, they'd talk for an hour in front of athletes and their parents, and they'd send us postcards in the mail. Obviously, those leads closed a lot better having an hour-long talk than someone finding us on Facebook. But we were able to find the exact close percentage for all the different type of leads that were coming in the funnel. And as soon as we found those close percentages, and once they were within our percent cost of sale, we knew that we got a lead from anywhere it'd be profitable. We knew exactly the percentages we needed to hit. So on percent of cost sale, can you explain that a little more clearly? Like say if it was $100, can kind of give some simple numbers on, on what that means? 
Sure. The, the most important piece was understanding our close percentage. Leads that came from the internet, I knew wouldn't close as well as leads that came from a speaker. Therefore, I could afford to pay a speaker lead much more money. One, they'd close much quicker, but two, I would also waste or spread out my marketing cost across the internet leads much greater because they wouldn't close as well. Very simple example. I could buy 800 leads for a dollar on the internet, but I knew they'd only close at 10%. So out of those 800, I'd close 80, but it cost $800. And that was fine. That hit our threshold. But for a speaker lead, I could pay almost $50 because they'd close about 50% of the time. So that was all factored into our percent of cost sale and understanding our closing percentages. So depending on where the lead came from, you would be able to say, okay, these speaker leads, you know, in the end are costing us 10% of sales is our lead cost all in for however many you closed and however many leads you got that didn't close. You'd be able to figure out what your cost was to do all that. That's exactly right, Chris. And then there were other channels, whether it was affiliate, and you could measure the percentage of costs that would go into each one of those types of leads. And we knew exactly where we were profitable. And once we hit those marks, we could go to anyone and offer them dollars for their leads. We knew exactly what our, what our thresholds were, where we could make money and where we couldn't make money. And then the key to all that, though, was understanding our lifetime value. So we talked a bit about the cost part of the, of the, of the greater than, less than formula where cost is less than lifetime value. Uh, did you guys have a relatively simple straightforward business where you could understand LTV? Because some businesses are harder than others to get, to get your, your mind around what is a customer worth. Sure. Ours was a little bit unique in that it was really a one-time purchase. You, a customer wasn't going to buy a scholarship or buy help for a scholarship a second time. It was really a one-time purchase. We might add on a few things here and there, and we did have those into our calculations of add-on for extra help or the, the athletes paying for extra services or an extra video or something that they needed a little extra for, and we certainly knew those calculations. It was about 1.1 average purchases. We knew our average purchase price, and we could factor that in across all of our athletes, across all of our sources. We knew a certain source would pay us X amount of revenue, 1.1 times, and we knew the exact cost of sale for that lead. And therefore, that allowed us to scale very, very quickly. Cool. You're throwing some numbers around that we're kind of making up as we go, just for examples. But the reality of this lifetime value calculation is that it is a calculation. There are formulas involved. Uh, there's a lot of nuance in LTV, but the reality is you can kind of break it down into numbers. And where you're getting those numbers and the assumptions behind those numbers is a whole other discussion to have within each business, as Brian's mentioning in his uh, example with the athlete leads. However, there are a few different formulas, and, and we'll include some links to these different formulas in the post around this uh, episode. But there are a few different formulas that we come across and see regularly and kind of consider when we're helping a client or a business calculate lifetime value. The first one is really just lifetime revenue. It's pretty simple. If you know that your product costs $100 and, and people buy it once a year and the average person stays for five years, your lifetime revenue is $500. And so it's rarely that simple. Yet that's the concept. People oftentimes will say, my lifetime value is 500 bucks per customer. What they actually mean, you'd have to have a deeper discussion to kind of get around what they mean by that. But what they actually mean in that case is how much money we get per customer. Uh, obviously, you want to go deeper than that. Sure. And maybe we can take a step back. None of these calculations are even possible unless you're keeping great data and you're keeping great records on your customers. A lot of times people, especially when they're starting out a business, they're so willing to make a sale, but they don't have the back-end infrastructure 
necessary to make these calculations down the line when they really want to start understanding their marketing costs. So it's so important, even from the very beginning, to have a great sales database or have a great database on your actual revenue coming in and tying that to an actual person. No doubt. It's really important that as soon as you start, you're tracking your data. You know, almost everybody that we've come across whose analytics we dive into, whether a client or, or, or whoever it might be, has some deepening or improvement of analytics that is possible. And frankly, we're probably put our own tracking in the same boat. But it's really hard to have that discipline that Brian mentioned where you immediately are tracking your data. And the sooner you track it, the sooner you're going to be able to start to calculate these things. We'll talk about a little bit more in kind of a how-to section and how you actually would calculate this. But the first step is to collect the data properly, which also can be harder than it sounds. And remember, you know, what is your end goal? The end goal is being able to scale very, very quickly and understand your marketing costs. They always say half a marketing budget is wasted. You just don't know which half. That's great. And you're able to waste half, in theory, if you actually have a, a handle on your actual cost to begin with. Yeah, that's a good point, which is answering the question, why? Why would we want to calculate something like this, or why would it be so important? And uh, as is hopefully clear in the case of Brian's example with the student-athletes, it's that as soon as you know what these numbers are, you can really actively put your foot on the gas as far as a marketing spend goes, or whatever the case might be, knowing that it's a profitable spend. Or even investing in a new piece of equipment for your business. Had a client recently who we were doing this work for say, okay, well, what, why do we want these numbers? What are we going to do with it? And actually their assumption was, and this would be reason number two, I think, to know this for almost any piece of data is now you know a baseline. Like our baseline LTV is $180 over two years for you know a customer. And now you know the baseline in that we're going to do a variety of things to try to extend and improve that lifetime value, whether you're doing upsells like you're talking about in the uh, athletic recruiting business or increased pricing or better targeting or, or refined marketing tactics. All these different things would serve as a way to improve your LTV, and you're not even going to know if that's happening unless you have your baseline. It even can be used to track something as simple as customer service. Are you giving your customers better service as a, as a whole? And is that lifetime value increasing? Or maybe you start segmenting your on the on the issue of customer service. Maybe you start segmenting your customers based on what their lifetime value is, and you may find that your bottom twenty five percent of customers, as far as your lifetime value goes, is where you're putting in most of your customer service effort and dollars. And maybe you have uh, some segment of customers at, at the bottom of your lifetime value kind of sorted spreadsheet that are unprofitable. And so there's all sorts of, I think, sometimes even, even surprising ideas that come up when you start digging into these numbers. So uh, this gets a little bit into uh, the how-to piece of different ways in which you got to understand your, your different customers. So the first formula, as we mentioned, is just revenue-centric. It's a very simple calculation. My value is $500 per. Now, pretty obvious what is lacking in this revenue-centric lifetime value formula, which is your, your cost. Every business has costs. Some businesses have set cost of product, for example. If you're selling you know, a widget and that widget costs you 50 cents to make and you sell the widget for a dollar, you know, you've got a 50% cost of product. So it'd be pretty common sense to just take that 50% off of your $500 lifetime value and say, okay, well, I get $500 in revenue for this product, but I know that immediately 50% of that goes out the door in my cost of product. Therefore, lifetime value, $250 is a more useful number than, than $500. 
Another nuance that gets very often added to the mix after you've taken your lifetime revenue and your profit margin uh, would be the time value of money. So if you are spreading this money and this revenue over five years, we know that you know the revenue that's five years out is worth less than the revenue today. So you can apply a discount rate. Profit margin with a discount rate for those cash flows in future years is another piece of the formula. These formulas and some links to some good pages that run through these details will be in the resources section of the podcast. All right, so we'll take a minute here just since this is our inaugural episode to mention a couple things about the podcast. We're going to develop this as we go, hopefully with some feedback from you as far as the things that you'd like to hear about, certain episodes or maybe themes that we're talking about that are interesting to you that you'd like us to draw more out of. We'll certainly... um, really value any feedback you may have for us on that front. If you have any questions or advice, topics you want to see covered, one-on-one advice you want to get from us, we're all happy to do that for you guys. And so one of the reasons why this came up, apart from wanting to uh, interact more with people who might be interested in some of the things that we talk about and do on a daily basis, is we wanted to have the chance to bring some guests in, some of our uh, people that we look up to and are interested in working with or like working with, who. We've heard talk about different subjects and bring them in and really let their point of view and their experiences guide certain episodes. So there will be guests, these first couple, uh, thanks for bearing with us as guinea pigs. Uh, These first couple episodes, it will be Brian and I, but as time moves on, we hope to have great guests to put out some great conversations for you. Giveaways. We're going to be giving away different stuff on every single podcast that we do out there. On this podcast, we're actually going to be giving away one month free of Mixpanel which is actually one of our favorite tools for trying to understand lifetime value and understand people purchasing habits. The way you can win that giveaway is hit us with a Snapchat. Chris, you want to explain that? Sure, yeah. So just basically hit us uh, on Snapchat. Our Snapchat username is Matchnode and ask us a question. Ask us a question about this podcast, something that you uh, wondered about as it relates to lifetime value, any question that you may have. uh, Send us your submissions on Snapchat at Matchnode and we will answer those. Pick out our favorite. M-A-T-C-H-N-O-D-E, Matchnode. Yeah, so hit us up on Snapchat with a question. We'll pick out our favorite question and give one month of Mixpanel. Mixpanel is free at a certain level. Of course, we're going to uh, help you out with that first paid level, which I think is $150 a month. Hit us up on Snapchat. And then uh, at the end of every episode, we're going to take each episode, transcribe it, Make it easy to take apart if there's only certain uh, particular pieces of the conversation you're interested in getting to at a particular moment. And then uh, at the bottom of those blog posts, we will have resources and links to some of the things we talked about where you can dig in deeper to maybe some of our source material, things we might reference, in this case with lifetime value. The formulas you know, are a little easier to understand when you're looking at them rather than hearing us explain them. So look out for your resources at the bottom of each post. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably understand by now the digital marketing world and its community around it is all about knowledge sharing. Chris and I learned this world on our own. We didn't go to school for it. It wasn't even, frankly, in school when we were uh, learning this. But we learned it by reading from others and listening to others. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast, to try to help you guys understand the lessons we've learned along the way. And hopefully you hit us up so we learn some from you guys. Great. Okay, let's go to how to. So how to calculate lifetime value. Let's say that... You get it. You understand why you want to learn it. You understand why you need to kind of zero in on this metric and understand it in its context. 
relative to all the various other things that you may be measuring in your business. First thing is, it's going to be highly custom to your business, to every business. So Brian mentioned a you know, athletic recruiting business where generally was just one sale. There was one moment or one big sale that was made. So a high value sale, but a lifetime type of purchase. So that's going to be a little easier to calculate as far as the revenue side of your lifetime value versus say somebody who, you know, sells a SaaS product where you're hoping for annual retention and people paying you year over year over year. Well, you're going to have to understand your retention numbers and your churn numbers to really get a good sense of what each uh, customer is worth over their lifetime because you're going to have to understand how long they stay, how many times each person pays you. There are plenty of other businesses that sell physical goods, clothing, things like that. It takes some time to have enough data to understand how often a person will buy over you know, a year or two years or five years. And so now we get into the fact that you have to have a certain amount of data. And we kind of talked earlier how You need to start right away capturing your data so that you actually are having cohorts of buyers who've gone through your your cycle multiple times. So a year plus will usually be a good one. We have a client who's in the apparel business and like a lot of apparel companies, physical good companies, they see a big spike in purchasing around Christmas time. So for this example, let's say they installed kind of an advanced analytics tracking platform like Mixpanel in say September of 2014 and then in you know December of 2014 November 2014 there's a big spike in buyers because it's Christmas time and then you go a year out and you're in September 2015 you think about the fact that well yeah we've got a year of data now but Christmas is this huge event and we only have one Christmas season in our data so we don't really understand what those people are behaving like when they just purchased at Christmas or when they purchased in September and December of 2014. In this case, once we got through that second Christmas season, we started to look back over now a year and a half or more of data and we start to really see some interesting things. And so uh, it depends on the business, but the more data you have, the better. It's kind of like planting a tree. It's like the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the second best time to plant it is today. So if your data capture is not where it should be, now is the time to go and try to fix that or refine it. So the more data you have, the better. A year plus is best, but you can start with what you have. Or even just going back, if your data isn't perfect, taking a look at what you have and really trying to sort it out, talking to some, maybe some outside sources and looking at exactly what you have. It might not be perfect. You might not be able to come to a perfect lifetime value. But again, like Chris mentioned earlier, these things are always changing. The key piece is trying to get to that number so you can unlock your ability to grow. Perfect. And so you can make some assumptions if you don't have enough data. Work with the data you do have. And like Brian said, look back and maybe your data is not perfect, but you can make some assumptions about what may have happened or what did happen. You can mark those down you know, on a document or wherever you're recording this or analyzing this. And then when six months passes, you can come back and look at that and say, was I right? Was I wrong? Let's refine this. Let's get a little bit closer because now we have six months more data. We've certainly done that with, with clients. You have to have a lot of data. It's going to be very customized to your business. What kind of data do we need? We'll do another podcast at some point soon about analytics where we'll talk about the difference from kind of Google Analytics to some more advanced tracking platforms like Mixpanel and Kissmetrics. 
But there's a bunch of reasons why we love Mixpanel. At its basis, Mixpanel is tracking people, and Google Analytics, as much as we love it to date, is tracking sessions. So if Brian visits our website, mashnode.com, on his phone right now, and then he goes back to his desk and he uh, checks it on his desktop work computer, and then when he's at home tonight, he looks at it on his tablet, Google is very likely going to count that as three users and three sessions. Whereas if we have Mixpanel properly installed, and you know we have the sort of business where somebody logs in and Brian's logged in to matchnode.com. Mixpanel is going to recognize that on his mobile, on his work computer, and on his tablet, it's all the same person. So it counts Brian as one user. And it says, I've come back to the website four different times. Yeah, and, and, on these and different why, devices. And why is that important for tracking lifetime value? It's tracking purchase behavior across different devices. Right. So when you when you tie the purchase behavior and revenue and sales numbers to actual people instead of website visits, now you're starting to understand how many people have purchased and what that uh, averages out to or what's the median revenue or, or the different kinds of analysis you can do on people-based revenue. And just as important, you can tie your marketing costs to that person across multiple platforms. Exactly. So let's say now you have installed Mixpanel or Kissmetrics is another one we like that's pretty similar. And you have the data working, it's capturing your revenue, it's been running for a few months. Uh, what you're starting to be able to do is to kick out uh, cohort reports, first of all, which its most common usage is you'll be able to, say, uh, segment all your buyers by the month they signed up or the month they first purchased. So you'll be able to look at people, say, who purchased in January of 2015 and watch how often they rebuy one month out, two months out, three months out, all subsequent months, and you'll start to really get a sense of your reorder rate. So in the case of someone who's buying, say, you know, clothing, you're going to want to understand how often does this person rebuy. You may spend $50 in marketing costs to get them to make that initial purchase, but you need to know how many times that person is going to purchase so you can start to tie that back. So once you're able to kick out all this revenue, so you can kick out now all your customer data over a certain time period, and then you want to sort it by total revenue per person. So you've got a big customer database at the top. You've got people who've paid you the most money over this you know, period of time. At the bottom, you've got people who paid you the least money over this period of time. We found it super useful to, do, to divide this in uh, quarters. So you take your top 25%, your bottom 25%, two 25% groups in between. We call this quartile analysis. You just cut it into groups of four, and you start to say, what's the median revenue gained in the top quartile? What's the median revenue gained in the bottom quartile? It even lets you dig into things like what Chris talks about all the time, finding your whales. I know you just recently went into that with a client. Can you talk about that a little bit, Chris? We define whales as the top 1% of any group of buyers. And so, yeah, your whales are going to be worth, you know, hopefully some exorbitant amount relative to your top decile. Decile analysis is the same concept as quartile analysis, but you're using 10% groupings. Talking about whales, think about a simple company, like not a very simple company, a complex company like Disney World. Whales are probably visiting the theme park every year. But for many families out there, it's a once-in-a-lifetime purchase, and they need to understand that so they can spread their marketing cost across all of them. That's a great example because, yeah, Disney World is a one-time thing for many families, but there's a lot of families that go every single year. There's a lot of families that go to multiple Disney parks in the same year. There's families that go to a Disney park and then go on the Disney cruise. And then they buy ice cream, and then they buy a T-shirt, and then they go to a movie. 
And they tie all of that to a person. And so a whale, from Disney's point of view, you know, may spend whatever, $30,000 in a year on Disney products and Disney experiences, whereas you're going to have people in your bottom decile who are spending way less money who maybe bought a you know, Mickey Mouse character. Which is why they enable things like resort charges and their RFID bracelets to track you all over the park to understand and tie everything back to a person. And so now again, you've got people analytics, you've got revenue analytics, you have marketing spend by person rather than by visit. And so you've got lifetime value, cohort reports, quartile decile analysis. And the great thing, the really powerful thing from a marketing cost standpoint is you can break out this LTV by channel. I spend money on Facebook. I spend money on Google. I have some offline initiatives. I'm trying to tie them all together. I'm trying to figure out their relative uh, success in driving high lifetime value customers to my business. This will allow you to start to see that clearly. And then there's a whole other can of worms about all these pieces overlapping and working together. The reality that the person may see four or five different channels that gets into multi-channel attribution. But that's the subject of another topic. topic for another day. So uh, let's get to the giveaway. We're going to give away one month of mixed panel. $150 value. This will work best for companies with a certain level of traffic. They'll actually need this kind of paid pricing tier. We'll put a link to Mixpanel and this uh, $150 monthly value in the resources part of the podcast. Go to Snapchat, snap us a video with a question uh, that you wanted some information from, uh, from this podcast. We will answer all the questions on Snapchat and we will then pick our favorite and inform them that they're the winner. And by the way, Mixpanel is not paying us to say this. Uh, we're not sponsored by Mixpanel in any way. But we do recommend that any business install either a Mixpanel or a Kissmetrics or something like that that starts to tie their data to actual people. Well, we look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to uh, meeting and uh, giving away this prize to whoever it is that hits us up on Snapchat and wins. And I'm looking forward to more podcasts with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks a lot and talk to you soon. We're out. 